It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down, Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined by ESPN.com's Ben Gessling and Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN's Mackie and Judd Morning Show. Today, guys, we just got to talk to Mike Zimmer for about, well, Mike Zimmer got to talk to us, actually, lecture us for about an hour. Did you learn anything, Judd, from uh, Professor Zimmer? Um, I learned that he knows a lot about defense, and there's a lot of, and there's a lot of, very, very intricate verbiage that is used in uh, when the Vikings meet about their defense. That's what I learned. I, I actually took away from that the same things that, that I took away from freshman and sophomore friendship and eld, and I transferred from that class to pottery. So if I was in football defense with Mike right now, I'd probably transfer to pottery. You're telling me you can't speak fluent French right now is what you're telling me. Uh, exactly right. And, in fact, I was smart enough to get out of that class and take pottery with a bunch of potheads, which was fantastic. So I would do the same thing. There's a joke in there somewhere. Yeah, no about pun intended. Old and French, and how snooty it is. But mm-hmm. every school has French. We were not snooty back then. We just sucked in sports. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I did when not did go change? to that. When did you guys get snooty? Early nineties. Okay. Mike Zimmer just met with local media for about an hour and uh, went over some film. Basically, prepped us uh, on a basic defensive set that was completely off the record. But really, it was pretty basic, right, Ben? But we knew nothing of what he was talking about. It was all spider Y2 banana X. It was all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, it's some of it is, is pretty base stuff. I mean, it's kind of general rules for what they do. And it's certainly helpful for us as we try to do our jobs, but there is an element of it where a lot of it is, is jargon. And a lot of it is stuff that his players are versed in every day. And when we're getting into it for the first time, you know, there's, there's a certain element of, of trying to catch up on the verbiage, but it is. I think it does make the point that for those people out there that sort of think that, oh, I can watch a game or I can break down film and know everything that they're going to do is not necessarily the case because we spend enough time around it and, and we, we get access to players and we get access to things like this. And it, it, I sort of feel like the closer you get to it, when you have access to it, the more it teaches you that you don't know. So if you're kind of the person sitting at home saying, oh, I can break down film and I know everything that's going on, it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, jokes aside, I, I do appreciate the Vikings doing this, especially with a, a scheme like Mike Zimmer's, which can be so complex. And you do recognize some things you see, and I'm, I'm one of those who tries to watch it and break it down. I'm so fortunate I get to talk at work, get right, to talk to these guys, helps with actually get to bounce ideas off these guys. And Mike Zimmer doing this every year certainly does help, and it was a great idea on their part. Guys, let's talk a little bit about Teddy Bridgewater. We'll get into maybe some Vikings veterans who were helped by offseason additions. We'll get into a mailbag and, and maybe talk some punters. I know how much we love punters around here, right, guys? Oh, punters absolutely. are people, too. The art of punting is fantastic. The arts? I've never heard it described oh, as an art. art. Coffin corner, complete art. Punters art. are people, too. 
as Rich Eisen May says. his now, name not be spoken on this show. Not Rich Eisen. The other person who had a T-shirt that said, Punters are people, too. I don't even know who that is, yeah, actually. I'm so, not speaking his yeah, name because I spent Twitter, my entire 2014 chasing stories oh, oh, about oh, 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 De- De- what his lawyer had you mean to say Deadspin's to Chris Cluey. the state capitals newspaper. Oh, Deadspin's Chris Cluey. I forgot. Yes. Um, yes. All right, guys. A lot of the talk is about Laquan Treadwell. It's about Adrian Peterson. Uh, obviously, we've gotten into before this offseason about how they're going to marry Teddy Bridgewater and Adrian Peterson's skill set this offseason. But I want to talk about Teddy Bridgewater in general, about what – the expectation should be for this third-year quarterback now. I think people kind of overlook at times how strong this defense was, how many close games they won, um, and thinking that they can recreate that success. I think now the attention should start focusing. We talk about it focusing to Trey Waynes. We talk about it focusing to other guys. But to me, it should start now bearing that burden on Teddy Bridgewater and what this offense is going to ask him to do. And we can't talk about the scheme itself. What we're going to have to talk about is what the expectation level should be. Judd, I want you to start off right away and, and tell me what are your expectations for what Teddy Bridgewater should lead this team in 2016? Just as far as his development, you mean, where he should be where at? Where he should be at. I don't want exact numbers. I just mean yeah. I'm talking in general terms about and not, not wins either, but, I mean, should he what, – what facet of his game well, do you want to see him build be, on, more aggressive, yeah, those kinds of things? I think, I think you should definitely look for him to uh, take charge of this offense more than last year. You know, I felt last year that there were – especially early on – he deferred to Peterson a lot. And Peterson, listen, he played one game in Bridgewater's first season. Bridgewater didn't play with Peterson. And all of a sudden, a Hall of Fame back comes back into the picture. So you're going to defer to him. But I felt that at times it got to be too much. Now, Teddy, I thought, as the season progressed, got more confident. But clearly, the marriage between the two still didn't work. So I would say where I expect him to be is twofold. One, I expect him to take more control of the offense as a whole. I expect him to be a guy who, who in the huddle you look to even more probably than they did in 2015. Not that he was bad at that. And as far as development goes, my biggest thing is this. It's not the downfield passing. His arm is his arm. I don't think it's going to become terrific overnight. I don't think it's awful. Uh, my big thing, though, is he's going to have to get the ball into tight windows, much more precision-like th- than he did, which means he's going to throw a few more picks but he's also going to have to show a confidence to get the ball to his receivers in the split second when they're open. So you wanted him to take more chances, essentially. And he's which you've, have which you've to heard almost. Mike Zimmer say all along, and that he wanted to be more aggressive, let it loose, I think is the phrase you've heard Mike Zimmer use. Uh, now, Ben, specifically, too, with what the expectations are in this offense, we expect it to pivot away from Adrian at least a little bit. I've heard you say that if Adrian has 327 carries yeah. again, something probably went wrong. I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, I think. If Adrian has that many carries again, it probably is a sign that they weren't able to create the kind of balance on offense that they clearly want to create. I mean, a lot of what they did this offseason was to help Teddy Bridgewater. They fixed the offensive line, they think, or they at least hope they did. They added a receiver in Laquan Treadwell. Said his name right. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I, so Laquan I think. Laquan Treadwell? Laquan Treadwell. Uh, I, I think that a lot of. What they're trying to do is create an offense that can function not just by giving Adrian Peterson the ball and hoping that he can make things happen. Now, you always can go back to that. You have that option. You have a running back that can handle a big chunk of the load, and you can rely on him if you need to. But there is sort of a a limit to how far I think that will take you, and I think they realize that. They also know that Adrian Peterson is 31 years old, and they can't rely on that forever. So I think... If they're at a point at the end of this year where you still feel like he's the only thing we have going for us and we don't have enough balance to win games when he's not getting the ball 25 times, you probably haven't seen things go the way you hoped they would at this point of the year. Yeah, which would mean maybe they did what they did last year and trying to pivot toward Teddy and then seeing that didn't go well and you have to do what you need to do to win, which is obviously riding Adrian, your best player on offense. Yeah, at some point... When you get in the middle of the season, we have all of these great ideas now of here's what we'd like to do, here's how things look in a perfect world. We're not going to be in a perfect world by November, and it could be a situation where they have games that Adrian has to carry them. But and where TJ Clemmings is starting 16 games yeah, right tackle. I, I mean, if you get into a situation where you have to do that every week, though, mm. I don't think that that is going to be a sign that they're in great shape to make a push to win I'm st- the whole thing. I'm still very curious what's going on at Winter Park with, with this offense, though, in the planning stages. I mean, is this going to come back with Bridgewater and Peterson uh, 
sharing more of a role and what we saw in 2015 uh, sort of getting better? Or are we looking at a situation where you got a new O-line coach, a new <coughs> tight ends coach, give me a break, you've got basically a second offensive coordinator, and you've got Norv. Are we looking at sort of a mad scientist project across the street that when the regular season opener gets here, we are going to see something not totally different, but something that has enough differences where teams are saying, huh, we didn't see that last year, didn't expect that. Yeah, and I think you can almost expect, and one of the parts of that film session that Mike Zimmer went through with us just now, uh, it was all off the record, but one of the parts in it is more about how, they, well, we didn't expect this from this team because of this offense had a new offensive coordinator and all this stuff. Well, I think opponents might almost want to expect that from the Vikings a little bit because the Vikings hope that they can change this offense dramatically from what it was last year, which was that power offense, or power running game, and really you, you had to limit the passing game because of the offensive line. Now you hope you can marry the two. I remember what Mike Zimmer said over the combine where he said something along the lines of we need to be less predictable, meaning that when we're in the shotgun on first and 10, I don't want it to be, oh, they're passing because that's how it was last year. Or when they're under center on second and five, well, they're obviously running. Too much of what they had to do last year was based on minimizing their obvious problems. And, and a couple of those being the offensive line and the fact that you had a quarterback and a running back that didn't necessarily do the same things well. They had a lot of things I thought – that came down to, well, this is what we have to work with. How do we make this car that's got a couple of parts that don't seem like they're quite working at 100% go down the road at 70 miles an hour or as close to the speed limit as we can get? That isn't how you want to run an offense. You want an offense that you can play to your strengths rather than having to kind of work around your weaknesses and I think that is a lot of what they're trying to do now is say let's get this offense to a point where we know what our strengths are going to be yes Adrian is going to be one of those but let's have enough stuff that we can go to that it's not just trying to get by that we can actually have this thing be an asset for us does that look like Teddy Bridgewater being a top 15 or let's say top half passer in the NFL or does does this team need that with the defense with what they're built to do we just saw Denver do what they did with Peyton Manning I mean do they need Teddy Bridgewater to be that kind of top flight guy or can you resign to the fact that he's maybe more of an Alex Smith I mean at this point it's it's early in his development but I think it's fair to wonder in that the Vikings say they want him to be more aggressive, but does that mean that that's who he needs to be for his career? Not necessarily. He doesn't need to be the guy that's throwing the ball 50 times a game, I don't think. But you do need to get to a point where you feel like, okay, we're behind. And that's another big piece of this is this team was not built to come from behind. I mean, if, if they got behind early in games, they were in trouble last year, both because of how they were protecting Teddy Bridgewater or how they weren't. You've seen them rally in a couple games, yeah, but you're right. But in general, they're not built that way. But they're not built to get into yeah. the 35-31 type game. And, and they don't play a lot of those because their defense is good enough. But you were not built to have to get into that shootout type game and win it. So some of it, I think, is getting Teddy Bridgewater to a point where if you have to win a game like that, you trust that he can do it. And some of it is is just being able to get more balance on a week-to-week basis. Keep in mind, too, uh, if the offensive line is as improved as it should be, that means you don't have to keep a tight end in there to help in protection. Or two. Which, oh, right, which opens up that potential. The other thing to keep in mind is, and this is where I've begged the Vikings for years, going back to Childress, to get creative is, why can't you find formations that allow McKinnon and Peterson on the field in some packages because, listen, my guess is Peterson is who he is when it comes to protection and also catching the ball. But Jarek McKinnon was – if you found a guy last year, if, if you identified – I asked you right now, who was the most underused player on offense? It's McKinnon because he's got attributes and he's a nice player. Uh, if you can use those two together to keep defenses off balance, that could work. So I think the offensive line – being better not only helps Bridgewater as far as protection goes and trying to throw the ball downfield, it also means you don't have to hold as many guys in, and now you've got opportunities to bring in different personnel packages. That's that's a great segue into talking about guys who have probably been helped by these offseason additions, especially the offensive line. I think Teddy Bridgewater is one of those players who theoretically should be helped with the addition of Laquan Treadwell, Alex Boone bringing in a right tackle, and Andre Smith. Um, one guy that when we were prepping for the show and writing down names of guys that were helped, I didn't think of until you just brought this up, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph now is probably a guy who probably does not have to stay in theoretically now because this is May 11th we're talking. 
probably doesn't have to stay in the block as much as he did last year, helping TJ Clemmings, helping Matt Khalil, because now, hopefully, you've shored up those edge spots, you've shored up the offensive line, and you at least have a system that isn't riddled with seven-step drops, maybe, right. with which didn't work out too well last year. Well, and the idea is if you want to go to some of that stuff, you should be able to protect Bridgewater long enough to do it. I don't think that's ever going to be his forte, necessarily, but you do have theoretically the option to do that does it help Kyle Rudolph yes it should because he shouldn't have to block as much they shouldn't have to be in as many situations where they're sitting there I mean it was pretty obvious last season that they were saying we do not want our right tackle exposed to the outside by a speed rusher they had one to two sometimes three tight ends on that side of the line quite a bit I think in part because they were trying to protect TJ Clemmings from speed rushers you shouldn't have to do as much of that that should help. The fact that Teddy Bridgewater has more time should help. The fact that Bridgewater and Rudolph seem to develop a pretty good working relationship late last season should also help. So yeah, I would agree that Kyle Rudolph is one of those guys. Yeah, ben, or excuse me, Judd, whoever you are, you brought That's up. Me. Yeah, you brought up uh, another guy who might be helped by these moves. Well, this is a guy who is definitely going going to go into training camp trying to win a job, but a Brandon Fusco to me because Brandon Fusco, listen, the move to left guard didn't work. I mean, he just he struggled. Granted, granted, he had uh, had rehabbed all last offseason. That didn't help him, but he never looked comfortable there. If he is going to win a job and become, I think, go back to being a guy that the Vikings or the league think can be a consistent player, Fusco needs to play right guard. So he's going to have to win that job in training camp. But I think I think the Boone signing helps him though because it allows him to kick back to right guard. And if he is going to reestablish himself. It's going to be a right guard. Yeah, Matt Khalil as well. Now you have Alex Boone. Theoretically, the reason why you moved Brandon Fusco from right to left was because he was your best guard on the team, and you needed somebody to shore up that inside. Yes, exactly. um, Too often, Charlie Johnson took the blame for why Matt Khalil was getting beaten, so they wanted to help him on the inside. Now you bring in a guy like Alex Boone who should also help Matt Khalil. So Matt Khalil, Brandon Fusco, Kyle Rudolph, there's so many guys on this offense, you feel that theoretically now they should be able to go ahead and take that next step and be helped by these other guys. Anybody on D? defense do we wonder if Harrison Smith mm-hmm. has been aided because Mike Zimmer made headlines when uh, I'd asked him at the combine is is there somebody on this roster or is that a, a position excuse me that should be fixed this offseason because you've had four different starters next to Harrison Smith not him personally but the Vikings have had four different starters next to Harrison Smith in each week one opener uh, now it might be five if it's Michael Griffin. So right. is is that going to be the answer now? Mike Zimmer just told us on the on-the-record portion that I hope J-Ron curses a player out of the seventh round, but they clearly have shown that that's not a position that needs a big priority in this, at least off-season-wise, to fix. Why is that? Zimmer at the Combine definitely brought up or broached the subject, and it sounded like it, he broached this on his own, Ben, that if we get, if we get the right safety by Smith, Smith's going to go from being a really very good player to – potentially outstanding player. Why do you think they didn't go uh, and get a, a more established safety? Or are they rope-a-doping us and they think that Griffin actually is and they just don't want to talk about it too much? Well, I think part of that is that an established safety in the sense of a guy that is everything you want at that position, young, still somewhat proven, athletic, all of that is expensive. And you're going to have to pay Harrison Smith – they had to go fix the offensive line this year. They have other things coming due. So some of it, I think, is let's go try to give ourselves a few options, kind of like what they're doing on the offensive line, between Michael Griffin, Anderson Deho, Anton Exum possibly, Anthony Harris possibly, you know, some Jaron Curse. I mean, some of these guys you're bringing in, maybe somebody can play that spot and you can do it relatively cheaply, but – Getting a guy like George Iloka, I mean, they were in the bidding for George Iloka until it got too expensive, and in the end, you sit there and, and do the same thing you did with Devin McCourty a year ago. Yes, we would like to do this, but when we know we're going to have to back the, the Brinks truck up for Harrison Smith, we can only spend so much money on his counterpart. That's why they don't do it in free agency, but now for the second straight year they've been asked after the draft, why didn't you address this position earlier? It was the it was undrafted before with Anthony yeah. Harris, and now it's seventh round with J. Ron Curse. I think fans were expecting that perhaps they would actually look to address that, especially with Zimmer saying, look, I want Harrison to do more, and right now he's limited because of who we have, and I'm not sure if the guy's on the roster that could help him. So now you bring in uh, Michael Griffin, 31 years old, veteran out of Tennessee. He very well could be that guy that helps him out, and, and unfortunately freeze them up to do more. I just think that they've shown at least, you're right about the money in free agency, but 
two in the draft, they've shown that, look, this isn't a position that is at least too high on our board. Or in the spots you would have taken one, the guy wasn't there that you wanted or that you thought should go that high. I mean, the the pick that I, I think people sort of wondered about in that sense was you take Mackenzie Alexander in the second round. They obviously have been high on him as a cover corner. They think that he has a pretty high ceiling. Was there a safety there that could have helped? I mean, that that's kind of the question. I mean, there were a few guys I think that people liked. Whether they liked them or not is sort of an open question. But you know, it could be it could be a situation where the board fell in a way that in the first round you wanted a receiver. There's no doubt about that. The second round, they liked Alexander. Maybe there wasn't a safety that you liked, and then they trade the third round But pick. there's two positions, too, that Mike Zimmer said above all that he covets early in drafts. Pass rushers, corners, yep. right? Yeah. So, yep. I mean, that, it's not safety. And corners are – I think a guy like Zimmer, I think, looks at the, uh, at the safety position opposite Smith and thinks to himself, I can make do here. I can take a guy and make do. I think Zimmer's smart enough and has been doing this so long – he looks at cornerbacks, which includes the slot guy now, yes. and says, I can't, I, can't make, I can't make do unless I've got somebody. I think, he, I think Zimmer's philosophy on life is I can take a guy off the street and he can play safety and I won't get killed. I take a guy off the street and, try and have him play corner. I'm going to get annihilated. Well, what did he say that first year? I can find a cover two safety at seven eleven. Did and I just step on your touchdown there you call? Go, see, no, no, I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that he uh, it was in one of the you know team sanctioned videos. He's practicing with guys, and I think he was talking to Josh Robinson. <laughs> and Josh is gone a few years later. So, uh, <laughs> could they make do with Jeff Locke, the punter? Punters are making a lot of headlines around here for some ungodly reason. They bring in two for a tryout now. That's yeah. probably why they bring in uh, Taylor. I'm going to just tank that name out of Texas Tech and then Nick O'Toole out of West Virginia. Uh, Great two punchers. mustache for the one guy. For, yeah, Nick O'Toole. Boom beard or whatever. Great, yeah, like yeah, Fu like Manchu deal or whatever. Yeah, Sign that guy. We need just our punchers on, to have some color around just here. Just on facial hair alone. No, you don't. You don't want no, another we don't. punter. Some, has, of us, some of us color. like that. <laughs> so it, not all of us. So should they, I mean, after three years, Jeff Locke, yeah. guy they drafted in 2013. Is, is Locke enter, in trouble? Entering a contract year. Not even is he in trouble. Should they bring in a competitor just to push him a period, period? Because every year now, they have gone, his numbers have decreased since that first year in the Metrodome, both in net and average. Yep. But the punt coverage statistically has gotten better every year. Now you can say he's going back indoors. That should help him. He's Mike Prefer's guy who always preaches patience. But at the same time, yep. they cost him field field position at times last year because of poor punts. Should you just bank on him being indoors to get better? Ben, you, you go ahead first. Judd, you, track you are the punters. my punter expert. <laughs> Much you are more deferring. Than I uh, you are, well, oh, no, on, my feeling is this. The kicker and punter are in no trouble in 2016 unless they're just awful because, one, Kramer's right. They're going back indoors, so the Vikings are, are going to say, look, for two years these guys had to kick outside for home games. Now they don't. And the other factor is, and you've got to keep this in mind, they're both Rick draft picks. So – if Locke or Walsh had been signed as free agents or off the street, they might be in trouble. But the Vikings, Rick Spielman, is, is going to take – Locke's going to basically have to collapse and or Walsh is going to continue to have to be terrible to lose their jobs because if you're a Rick draft pick, he ain't going to cut you unless you're just awful. Well, I think – I mean, yes, Jeff Locke being a fifth-round pick, certainly there's some equity there. But I don't think that – and the fact that they're looking at punters the way they are, I mean, yes, I think Jeff Locke has the inside track on that job, but I don't think that they are sitting there saying, yeah, he's going back inside, everything's going to be fine. I, the fact that they're looking at some punters, even though they haven't signed any yet, that, they've, they've, that they're talking to these guys and considering the possibility of bringing somebody in tells you that, yes, they are thinking about that this spot needs to be better. I mean, that, they haven't done that in the past, and we wondered about that last year, I think, whether they would bringing some kind of competition for him. They never did it. They haven't done it yet. I mean, they haven't signed anybody yet. But if they do end up going that route, it does tell you that they are considering this position as being a little more open than they possibly have in the past. Yeah, and with as much talk as we have about, as, as we've heard from the team about Blair Walsh's confidence, I can't imagine in a million years they would bring in anybody else who could kick a football between the uprights near him to even threaten but his But why wouldn't you confidence. do that? See, I would do that. Well, one, you I just wanna... sign him to a contract extension. Yeah, Two, know, he let the NFL and field goals made. Three, he has shaky confidence, and that's right, the but one that's my thing point you is, wouldn't do. My point is, coming off the 27-yard miss against Seattle, I want him to feel pressure. 
If I'm Mike Zimmer, I don't want him comfortable. Are you standing like talking into the ear hole of the helmet? I like, want him to kicks? feel. Like, hey, hey, hey! Listen, Mike hey, Tice. Where have you missed this? In man, in Mankato, what Mike Tice used to do was when they were in a field goal kicking period for the drills, Tice at the last second would walk right in front of the holder <laughs> to disrupt the kicker and be like, oh, "I'm watching." I, I, but I want. I mean, what the one, do the one thing I want, the one thing that I want is I want Blair Walsh Back to feel pressure. I want him to feel pressure. I do. I don't, I don't want to take him to Mankato and have him drill a bunch of field goals to be like, oh, everything's fine now. And then you start playing and he's mentally messed up again. If he's mentally messed up, I want to find out from day one in Mankato. But are you going to find that out in Mankato? I mean, does a kick in Mankato really tell you what he's going to do in a pressure situation and six below weather in the playoffs? Not if the coach is in your ear saying Not necessarily. Not necessarily, but I don't want to gift him a job. I mean, you've got 90 roster spots. Give me a break. <laughs> you've got 90 roster spots. No, Ben, I agree with what you're saying, yeah. and I don't think it tells the whole story, but if you gift him a job, and you, you see practices now, they barely kick. Blair. I want him yeah, to feel eight field goals. I want him to feel at least some pressure. Blair. My Blair. My only concern is your, your contract's not really guaranteed. No, no. You know what, Blair? It doesn't <laughs> matter if your contract you is guaranteed Blair. because you're about to lose a lot of money if we cut your butt. We lied in your contract, Blair. It's <laughs> we, not guaranteed. We lied. <laughs> just say you're excited to be. That's here. fine, you guys. That's fine. You just give him the job. Just give him the damn job. That's fine. <laughs> well, 2016. We made a lot of callbacks. 2016. Let's bring all the let's bring all the grade school kids to Mankato today. to cheer them on too and write them more cards because you missed the callbacks that we made about the 2013 well, season. The, the whispering in Josh Freeman's oh, yeah, era yes. we were doing just I was now. I doing the sports whisperer and thing. And the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the brouhaha with the punter <laughs> yeah. after that season. That's true. Which can't That's believe we're talking about yeah, that gift, again. Just will, gift jobs. <laughs> just give everyone <laughs> a job. wants him to bring in 10 No kickers. one should feel any pressure. Scholarship program. Yeah, exactly right. So, so should they bring in competition for Teddy Bridgewater then too? Because Sean Hill's no competition. I yeah, mean, that's a on, good point. I think. They, I mean, if you're going down that road. Would Sean Hill be my backup quarterback on this team? Probably not. I made two calls in January that were Would complete, Brett Favre be your backup quarterback? Wrong, by the way. And I'm going to own it. One, that they were going to cut Sean Hill because I just thought you need somebody to come in. But yeah, as you find out, veterans who want to mentor aren't really easy to find. Two, I had no idea. They were, I did not think they would move Brandon Fusco back over because I thought, yeah, best guard, you're going to stick with him. But who thought they would give $10 million guaranteed to Alex Boone? Uh, that's not that how been, See, folks, not the how iTunes reviews say he's arrogant, but he's willing to come on here and show humility. Andrew Kramer, well, he's doing that gentlemen. because he, he was deemed to be arrogant in the first place. So now he's trying to seem like he's not. Despite the fact he probably is. I don't know what you, you look on his bicep, about. you might not find that barbed wire tattoo after all. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Oh, I can't believe you just revealed that. Let's get into some questions and open up a mailbag, shall we? Yeah, why not? None of them are about barbed wire tattoos. That's although one bad. of them is about Ben's baby toe. Hey, Twitter, can you ask Kramer some questions about his barbed wire tattoo? Thanks. I'm going to edit that out. Brooks Rogers would like to know, Mobo, <clears throat> as he's being known now, Look decent in some of those highlight clips. I, I put this question first just this Mackie? to get a good laugh. It was um, No offense to Mr. Rogers, um, but highlight clips are highlight clips for a reason. He wants to know, do we see any of him practice? Uh, I got to stick around for that second half of the rookie minicamp and did see uh, Mobo practice. More it's Boringer, the German wide receiver they took in the sixth round. He dropped a couple passes, threw up on the sideline. He's got a long way to go. <laughs> So, Judd, you've been the one all along who said this guy might not even make the team. It's a practice squad guy, yeah. Practice squad guy. Another one of our questions is do you risk putting him on the practice squad because he of might get taken by another team? This is a favor to the National Football League. He's a sixth-round pick. I guarantee you the Vikings got a call from the NFL saying we really appreciate that and we'll do something for you down the line. This is a favor. I mean, look, he's playing against – What are they going to do for him down the line? Who knows? But a- anybody who really thinks this guy is going to make the team – Come on. I keep telling Mackie that. He's not going to make the team. And he's going to get through waivers, and they're going to put him on the practice squad. We've seen guys like this before here. This is a this is a goodwill gesture. It's great. It'll be a big deal in Germany. Everyone will do features all training camp. This is a, this is largely a PR stunt, and I don't care. The sports Grinch. <laughs> it's a PR stunt. He's the sports Grinch. It's nothing it, more than a PR stunt. I'm it, fine with it. I'm not upset by it. It it's, was interesting what the sports Grinch's former partner on the beat Kevin Seifert wrote about this, talking to the, the talking to Mobo's coach. Sports Grinch, I love and that. <laughs> that's a good name for you. We could it could fit it could fit in your Christmas songs in 2016. We're gonna oh, have to tell again. Yeah. You're, you're gonna have get to Harrigan send on it. Dave and Phil a note saying that you came up with that name. I like it, Sports Grinch. 
but I mean, Seifert basically talked to the, to his coach and sort of said that the guy who kind of prepped him for the NFL. Yes, right, the and there was sort of a, a hint in that that they were trying to get a few players out there that might help grow some NFL interest in Europe, and Moritz Boringer was one of those players. So it does have a feeling a little bit of this being a little bit of a favor. I mean, we'll see eventually if he's good enough to to make it. But I don't think anybody needs to be terribly worried about him getting to the practice squad. I mean, this feels like Babs a little bit last year where, where fans got into it. We had fun with it. It was great. But in the end, the guy wasn't ready to play. If, if Moritz Boringer is good enough to be on the Vikings roster, he'll be there. If he's not good enough... Nobody else is going to spend a roster spot on him any more than the Vikings would. He'll get to the practice squad. Everything will be fine. Have we tackled the first hoop of covering him and how you pronounce his name? Because I've said no. Boringer, and I've heard Boringer, and you go Boringer. I'm not sure what it is. All right. We're going to go with uh, my, my well, hope. It doesn't matter when he's on an eight-man practice My squad. hope is that he Burn. and I can sit down at some point and figure out the proper pronunciation of having an O-E in your last name because nobody – like. <laughs> Oh, that was that was Shut part of the Gosling. reason I was hoping Beth Getz would get the Gophers <laughs> job is that the GOE sound would be in the public parlance enough that people would realize, oh no, it's not Gosling, it's Gessling. He's not related to Ryan Gosling. Oh. Looking at me should tell you that. But anyway, you go through life with the last name Zolgad. Yeah, that's not good either. <laughs> no, it's very difficult. Judd the Grinch Zolgad is quite the name. Uh, Yinka would like to know, what kind of production do the Vikings need to see from Adrian Peterson to say he l- took off-season work seriously in terms of receptions, pass protection, fumbling? So Yes, this is good. Do I you like have this. Judd, do you have a number? On, no, no, I don't. Does the sports Grinch have a number on the fumbles no, he wants to see? No, but this was brought up, I believe, uh, when you joined us on Tuesday, Kramer, for the show. This is interesting to me. Because the Peter King Monday morning quarterback piece and Gessling, your piece, got to this too, which is he's opened up this training facility and how hard he's working and he doesn't have to drive as much now because it's all consolidated. And Adrian is working his ass off. Only problem is this. Adrian always works his butt off. Here's the question I can't answer, and it goes right right to the heart of this point. Is Adrian working on improving his game? Or a six-pack abs, which we know are there already. I mean, the guy's right. an unbelievable workaholic athlete. But when he left here in January, what did he say? Got to be more complete player. Look at Jarek McKinnon. Got to do this, got to do that. We have, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, we have no evidence that he's really working hard on things he's not good at. Well, the only thing that I think would be to the contrary of that is the fact that Mike Zimmer at – The owners' meetings in March said something about Adrian Peterson is working on things that he felt like held us back last year, which would imply that he was following through on some of those things that he talked about in January. Now, that's Mike Zimmer having talked to Adrian Peterson. I don't think he has any verification of that. I don't think he can have any verification of that because of all the contact rules in the offseason. But that does, I guess, that is the one reason I tend to think it's not just a Cordero Patterson situation where they tell Patterson, hey, you need to work on this, this, and this as a receiver, and Patterson responds by going to work out with some relentless trainer that puts him in better shape. I don't know that it is that type of a situation because of what Mike Zimmer said. That's the one thing that makes me think it might be different. But in 2016, if you don't videotape and tweet your workouts, did it really happen? That is a very existential question. Because Patterson and now is tweeting every route point. he's running with this new coach. Yes. J.J. Watt, JJ Watt, obviously. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get into this. Oh, you don't know that? No, I don't. Oh, didn't. I found this out in Florida. Uh, this is great. When is Mackey blocked, too? Phil and I were at spring no, training. No, Sam Ponder blocked Mackey. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm, bl- I'm blocked by you Cordero. You blocked Patterson. So, um, I'm blocked. I no, can't. Cordero blocked him. Cordero you know, blocked me. Or that's what I mean. Uh, so do you know what tweet sent him off? I have no idea, but I know I can get on. I can go to his Twitter account and look through it but i can't follow him i'm blocked from following him but i can but if i google cordero patterson on twitter i can go look at his account so i can see these routes yeah but i can't actively follow him and i am blocked and i don't think i've seen a few other people who have been blocked as well so he's clearly identifying those who have brought him down i mean i do feel bad because i feel like if i if i had been nicer he'd be a great route runner at this point and he's not and it's largely my fault that he can't run around <laughs> the grinch i take full um, responsibility i'm I sorry i was blocked by uh andre hollands the former gopher basketball what? point what did you do to him I, I used to cover the team in college i have no idea i was he blocked you yeah he blocked me jim Bro- bowden the former national gm blocked me once cordero does not have me blocked <laughs> jim bowden's uh 
He's breaking news left and right for your employer now. Yeah. It, your this colleagues, but guess what? He blocked me before we were working for the same outlet. He blocked me, I think, when I was making fun of him uh, for something he said on Twitter and suggesting that it could turn into a, uh, a Beyonce song. The way he put it on Twitter, I think, sounded like there should be a parody video to the tune of Single Ladies. He didn't seem to like that and uh, blocked me after that. I'm actually surprised not every Vikings player has blocked you, Joe. Why? Um, Why would you block me? Because you're the Grinch. I don't. You know what? I just calls them as I see them. Yeah, and w- that's and all with I this do. Team b- before last year, seeing it wasn't very good. That's right, my point. but that's, that's not my, my fault. No, not at all. I'm not blaming. So you. I'm I motivated the hypersensitivity of athletes. I'm surprised not everybody hasn't just. Blocked I so don't think athletes care for the most part. I think most Some guys don't do. give a damn. Although I think the, the only I think the only outlet that athletes care about is the one Gessling works for. In the TV form, for the most part, <laughs> I think they all watch Sports Center, they all watch the NFL live shows, and they all care about that. And besides that, if it's set on my radio station or our station, or if it's set in the Star Tribune or Pioneer Press, I don't think they see it, and I don't think they give a damn. So they don't care that Judd's heart is two sizes too small. No, they don't care one bit. Do you they, live up on a giant hill, like away from the town? I got a little dog. I do have a little oh, dog. You do that's right. I forgot. Yeah, Stella's little, that's and right. I. Uh, yep, she drags the sled around, and I go around. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Grinch, why are you stealing the Vikings football from below my... Because they aren't good enough for you to get this football. No, now you're terrorizing the Twins fans is what you're doing. Now it's the Twins. I was the it's Wild for a while. The twins I was the Wild. Why are you taking my Zach Parisi jersey? <laughs> why are you taking my Miko Koibu jersey? Because I'm ripping the C off of it. <laughs> Miles Gorham would like to know, what sort of impact do you expect Laquan Treadwell to have this year compared to previous rookie wide receivers? And I, this is a good question because... Um, we've seen Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham, Sammy Watt. We've seen so many star receivers come through the first rounds in the past couple years. I would taper expectations for uh, Treadwell, not only because of him as a receiver and only 20 years old, but the fact that he's in this offense now that likes to spread the ball around. I expect them to go to him in tough spots like third downs, red zone, that kind of stuff. So you could expect some production. But do I see 70 catches and 1,000 yards? Probably not. Uh, ben, what are your expectations for Laquan this year? Yeah, I don't think he's Odo Beckham in his first year in, in terms of those kinds of numbers. I mean, no, but just the system too, yeah. right? He's not. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see that. I mean, I think, I think he's probably the starter. I think by virtue of that, he's going to get plenty of opportunities. I mean, I, I, if he has a year like Stephon Diggs did last year, fifty-two catches, eight hundred and ten yards, is that reasonable? Yeah, I think that would be. In the ballpark, I mean, you I, I don't know the that touchdowns I would. go up, don't you? You certainly Just do. Overall, yes, yes. This whole offense, passing wise. Yes, I think that goes hand in hand with seeing yeah. Teddy's touchdown numbers go up. I mean, I think he'll get more looks in the red zone because of his size and because of what he does well. I mean, they're certainly going to be looking for him there. But you know, fifty catches and however many yards come along with that, based on what he's able to do with those opportunities, I think would certainly be a reasonable range. No receiver has had more than 55 yards per game since Percy Harvin in 2012 for the Vikings, wow. which is pretty bad. Stefan yeah. Diggs had 55 last yeah. year. Very bad. How much do you guys expect um, Laquan and Diggs to complement each other? I think that's actually a good question because those guys seem, theoretically, seem to be a good matching. Uh, we talked about uh, before the draft, guys like Will Fuller, guys like Corey Coleman, and you wondered, wait, the, the small kind of speedy guys, you know, you right. might already have that, or is that really what you're looking for with Teddy Bridgewater? Um, I think Diggs, that kind of – Diggs isn't the fastest straight-line guy. He actually had a pretty slow 40 coming out of Maryland, but he's a guy that is really sudden and quick and can get that separation. And Laquan's maybe more the guy who's going to bully people around. And I think, I think that is a good pairing. I think it is. Yeah, I mean, you'll have to move Diggs over to the other, to the other side probably. To flanker, right? If right. La, if Laquan's going to step in at uh, split end. That would be my yeah, assumption. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that can work because, I mean, we've, we've thrown it out a few different times, but this idea of – Four receivers plus tight end as NBA starting five in the sense that you have guys that fill different roles and have different body types. Treadwell's your power forward. Diggs is probably your your small forward or your shooting guard. Absolutely, yeah. I um, like that. That's good. Yeah, it was from a, a conversation I had with the Vikings coach at the Senior Bowl. He kind of said, yeah, I mean, this is – he had somebody else tell him this, that that was sort of – what you want your construction to be, and the idea, of course, is that your tight end is your center. Sure, they were obviously missing their power forward, their their big receiver who could body people up. He was returning kicks, though. Uh, John Darling would like to know: Could both Andre Smith and Phil Lodeholt make the roster? Uh, I think absolutely. If Phil Lodeholt is healthy, Phil Lodeholt signed a deal that basically um, 
chopped him down to about $2 million non-guaranteed. He has to prove he's healthy. But, Judd, you've long contended that if Phil Lodeholt doesn't win the starting job, he shouldn't be on the roster. I, yeah, I don't see them on a 53-man roster, uh, given the fact that Clem, T.J. Clemmings probably won't play in 2016, but is going to make the roster. If Andre Smith is your starting right tackle, does it make sense? to? I mean, Phil's not going to – if something happens to Khalil – Lodehold's not going to swing to left tackle. Now, you could be worried that something's going to happen to Smith, but I would think that with a 53-man roster, the, re- the reality of the situation would be Clemmings would step back into right tackle. Or Mike Harris. Yeah, and, and I also think Phil Phil's at the point in his career where if I'm him and I'm not going to make the team or I'm not going to start, I don't want to make the team because he could probably go get a job somewhere. Uh, I just I don't see him if he's not starting. I don't see him on, on the roster. And I think my prediction to both you guys was this: it would not surprise me if he goes in the first round of cuts as a favor to him to say, "Okay, we're going to let you go now. Go find a job," as opposed to we're going to keep you to the last cuts, then cut you loose. And for the most part, every team is going to have their guys. Uh, see, I, I total could, guess. I could still see a situation where they keep as many healthy offensive linemen as they can because of how the bad luck they had last year. I guess I'm more with Judd on this in the sense that I I think they have enough other guys who could play right tackle that are younger and cheaper. That well, it's pretty cheap right now. Well, I yeah, mean, but I mean, you guys, you I mean you have guys like Mike Harris yeah. and guys like T.J. Clemmings who are younger than that. Certainly have less injury risk and are even cheaper than than two million dollars or two point three million or whatever the heck it is. I. I would tend to think that they probably go that way more so than than keeping Lodeholt on the roster. I mean, it certainly could be wrong about that. Wouldn't be the first time, but it um, you know I, I think in a perfect world you have guys that can play that spot other than Phil Lodeholt. And in the case of a guy like Mike Harris, you can use him for a couple different things. I mean, the other thing too is that point. when you keep eight linemen or nine guys that can play a couple spots should have priority because you might need them to to slide around a couple different places. And keep in mind, too, they signed, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they sign Phil to that contract right after the season, basically, to hedge their bets, and then they went and got Smith? The restructure was done before they got Smith. Yeah, yeah. So, my, yes. so my guess is they said to themselves, okay, we know that we're going to go spend big on Boone, so if we can't get a right tackle, too, this is the fallback. Yeah. But then once they got Smith, my guess is their they're thinking has changed. I mean, if if Mike Harris is here... I mean, yes, he'll probably compete at right guard. If if he's the guy, then then he beats Fusco out. But part of the reason I think he's here is because he can play a few different spots, yeah. and I think it was certainly something they wanted to do to bring him back, from my sense of it. And part of that reason, I think, is because he can slide over to right tackle. He's shown he could do that in the past. He ended up starting there in 2014 when Phil Lodeholt got hurt. So I think that is part of his value, and, and that's part of the reason I think Lodeholt may not be as long for this roster as yeah, Mike, it would seem. Mike has made 22 starts for this team in the last two years at both guard and tackle, yeah. as you just pointed out, and I think that's why we get ahead of ourselves saying, well, Brandon Fusco will just be the right guard. Well, Mike's done a pretty good job just starting 16, 17 games there last year, and they liked what he was able to do. Mm-hmm. Him and Joe Berger were the only two really bright spots on that offensive line. Um, somebody would like to know, one surprise cut when the Vikings get down to 53. Boy, on May 11th, who you guys got? Ben? Other than Lodeholt, I assume. Well, I mean, you could do that. Well, And I'm saying that I could see him being let go in the first round yeah. of cuts so yeah. he can go get a job. Uh, I mean, we got hurt guys like Red Ellison. I mean, there yeah. are guys who are just if recoveries I mean, I don't, don't know pan that to out. Be a surprise. But surprise Here, meaning like, were there even a was there even a surprise cut last year? Not really. And this year, there might not even be because of the fact that this roster is so set where it is. Here's the name I would throw out, I guess, and I don't know how much of a surprise this would register as, but Charles Johnson, I could see that if they kept Cordero over him, I guess. And I think I they, wouldn't be I think shocked, a very good possibility would, they do because yeah. of the kick returning Charles Johnson. If you don't feel like he's going to be a factor at receiver, he doesn't really do anything else for you. I mean, Adam Thielen, Cordero Patterson both have value on special teams. You're not going to really get as much of that from Charles Johnson. I I guess in the sense that from 2014 to now, that would be a, a pretty precipitous fall. That would probably qualify as a surprise. I could see that. I think that would be the the name I'd start with. I'd say a guy like maybe Audi Cole. Guys, fans have kind of grown to like out of his special teams <laughs> stuff. But I mean, they've drafted Kentrell Brothers, who was a special team stud in college as well, who really fits the exact mold that Audi Cole's been taking. But I don't know Travis how much of a Lewis shocker too. that is. 
how about this one? Depending on how, how much they could actually save, and I don't. Here see, we go. I don't see this happening, but uh, a name that's been thrown out is Fusco's name. Now I think he makes it, but let's say he doesn't. Let's say he doesn't win the job. Harris keeps that job. They then have um, they like Clemming still. If Fusco completely is, if Fusco is awful in in the preseason, they drafted yeah Billy Beavers. Yeah, that in the might be round. Bill Beavers. Yep. That might be a name to throw out. I don't see that happening. But yeah, I I think your guys' point's a good point, which is there might there might just not be one. I mean, there doesn't have to be one. I think last year was like and, Chase Ford was like. And keep in mind too, surprise so cuts far. ordinarily come when a new staff comes in in the first year or two. When they start to trim what they consider to be the fat from the previous yes. staffs, guys that they liked and didn't like, Zimmer pretty much has the guys on his roster that, that he likes now. So I think there's much less of a chance of a, a surprise now as opposed to when Zimmer inherited Frazier's people and slowly but surely said, okay, this guy just doesn't work for me. Uh, so I think if there's not a surprise, that to me would not be a surprise at all. Fortunately for Zimmer, two of those defensive linemen that met that distinction were free agents that year. The guys that didn't work for him, Jared Allen and Kevin Williams. Yeah, well, and Jared never had a chance. No, but Jared knew that too. Before Jared uh, got forced into playing the uh, the three four in Chicago, because at that point he had no choice. Jared made it very clear that the Les Frazier defense, the Tampa two, which allowed him to rush like a maniac, was all he wanted to do. Well, Jared had no interest in really playing in a defense that didn't suit Jared Allen, and I like the guy, yeah, but that's the truth. Jared Allen was out for Jared Allen. I, I think there's a lot of. I mean, certainly when he was you here, because during he a three and thirteen that. season, he was just selling out to sack the quarterback at every I last think he, chance. Yeah, when he talks about that as being his best memory we, in Minnesota, we <laughs> could fill. I was just going to say that we could fill an entire podcast about all the good things he does, all the charity work. But I could also fill a podcast on things like that where somebody asked him on the conference call with Twin Cities Media, "What's your favorite memory here in Minnesota?" And he said, That's the "Man, first thing he, goes he to. said, man, that twenty second sack or whatever it was. I know it was a bad year, but man, that 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 record." Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, that when we watched that film session with Zimmer, you know, we obviously won't get into too many details of it, but I think it's pretty well known that Mike Zimmer is not looking for defensive linemen that just. Stats. Rocket up the field, yeah. And, well, and Jared wouldn't come off the field. Right. I mean, Jared and Mike would have gotten in a fist fight. Jared would not. Jared would Here's not come off the field. Leslie Frazier every year talked about, and Les was right. We got to minimize the snaps for Jared, and he tried to do it. And Jared would come over to the sideline and be a maniac. Uh, that being said, the Sports Grinch will say this: that was a great trade, and his acquisition was fantastic. And in two thousand nine, yeah. he was really good. So when Jared Allen was acquired by the Vikings in 08, I yep. believe. Yes. That was a fantastic acquisition. 85 and a half sacks. It just yep. got to the point to the where side. when it didn't work to get him to a Super Bowl, then it got to be a little bit more dicey. Yeah. Um, Jay-Z's hoodie would like to know, Judd, if the only way for the Cubs to win a World Series was to cut off Ben Gessling's baby toe, not his baby's See, toe. See, I thought it said but his, his baby's baby. toe. Said, no, terrible. no, not his child's toe. His pinky but toe. You could still think about it, though. Well, now it's you. Wouldn't you sports cringe? Would you think about it? Would you even pause and hesitate? Can I just ask, why all of Jay-Z Hoodie's questions have something to do with some part of me being severed? Because they're really fun, and I favorite each one. It sounds like like a South Park. Those bastards killed Ben. so exciting to you? I don't. I don't get it. It is sort of weird. And, and it's pretty funny, though. See, when I thought it was your kid, I said, absolutely not. Now that it would just no, be. No, that'd be weird. Now go that it'd just now. be you. Let's not go down that path. Uh, I still wouldn't do it. And I'll by the way, said. the Cubs are going to win this year, so it doesn't really matter anyway. They're like 25 and 6, aren't they? I mean. Yeah. They've won a they few more games this than Twins. And the Twins are so nipping at the heels. Jay-Z's hoodie, as much as I like you and appreciate your uh, Twitter handle, and I correspond with you, I would not harm Ben Gessling. No sports writers were harmed in the making of this baseball season. Let's put it that way. Last question. Somebody would like to know over or under two and a half starts for Mackenzie Alexander this year. Ben? Now, Mackenzie, obviously, second round draft. Yeah, right pick. there, Gessling. You got yeah, this. I'll, I'll let him think. Um, I'll go. Alexander was the guy they brought in to compete at cornerback, slot corner with Captain Munderland in a contract say year. Under. So under two and a half starts. Yes. How about half a start? Does he make a start this year? Which just means yes. captain gets hurt. Yes, it means captain gets hurt. But Captain's yes. played every game he's been in. I know, yeah, but there could be now that you have another option. There could be a game where he's fifty-fifty. You're like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna give you a week to rest. 
Yeah. But, I mean, I think they are going to want to see that because I think the plan there is Captain Mundell is a free agent after this year. If we have a guy that can cover, that we like, that's cheap, that's a spot where we can make a switch. I will say, as Mike Zimmer showed last year with Trey Waynes, they will go with the best option regardless of development, them starting Terrence Newman through that entire 11-win season. Yep. Um, even if the long-term option is Trey Waynes, they could do the same with Alexander and Munderland. Uh, I am going. Does the Grinch have thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'll say over. I'll say something happens and he gets three starts. Uh, question for both you guys: Do you is Mackenzie Alexander in your mind an option to challenge Wayne's whatsoever, or is he being brought in? My, my theory is this, but it's just a theory. My theory is he's brought, being brought in straight strictly to replace Captain after 2016. Do you guys agree with that, or do you see because he does? I'll give him this. McKenzie seems to have the ultra confidence that, that this guy's going to absolutely love. Trey Waynes seems to be a little bit more laid back. And it's way too early to declare Waynes anything close to a bust. He might be absolutely fine or very good. All that being said, do you think this guy, Alexander, is being brought in strictly to play the slot corner, or is there a chance that he ends up playing outside? I think your 11th overall pick in the longer, bigger guy that Mike Zimmer likes, the prototype of corner, ideally Trey Waynes and, and Xavier Rhodes are your bookends of, of that secondary, and ideally yep. that is your long-term thing, and Alexander's your 60% player in slot. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, in a perfect world, it's Rhodes and Waynes on the outsides and Alexander in the slot in a year or two. But in a perfect world... Trey Wayne's develops and Mackenzie Alexander develops. If only one of those develops and it happens to be Alexander, could he play outside? I think that's a possibility. I mean, Mike Zimmer, when he got asked that question last week, pointed out this guy isn't any shorter than Terrence Newman. I mean, he's he's basically the same size as Terrence Newman, who's been a corner in Mike Zimmer's system forever. And a lot of the reason Terrence Newman has excelled is because he understands what Mike Zimmer wants of his corners, and he does it. It's not hurting him that he's not six foot one and 210 pounds when he knows how to play in the system so i think yeah in a perfect world mackenzie alexander's in the slot but a perfect world also doesn't really come to into play in this scenario it, it's because trey waynes hasn't developed and mackenzie alexander does if that is how things would work out i think it's possible he'd play outside in a perfect world cordero did not block judd zolgad no that's i'm fine with that Oh, you're cool with it now? In a perfect world, Blair Walsh makes the field goal. Ah, That's more the perfect world. There yeah, is, in a perfect gentlemen. world, Blair there Walsh makes the 27-yard field goal. The, the Twins are 25-8 and eight instead of 8-25. and 25. Um, The Wild didn't go into midseason spirals under Mike Yo for three or four consecutive seasons, and we're all happy. What about the Timberwolves? His heart was they got Carl Anthony Towns. too yeah. small. They got, yeah. No, that's that's very mean of you. I actually like that the sports Grinch. We're just thing. the people in Whoville, and you're the, the one stomping Grinch. all over us. How about <laughs> Mackie and Grinch? How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need: indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign, and we handle the rest. Sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project, and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com to get started. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great. Because when I want my spicy shrimp pad thai, I want it on time. Because, baby, there's no time like the present, especially when it's pad thai related. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. On time, pad tie, baby. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at nine ninety nine each month. Starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimums apply.